0: Hi, this is Dion Begg from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help
1: clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check
0: out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy.
2: Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 45.
1: Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, we put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me is the real estate deal crafter,
2: <laughs> Sandy McKay. Oh, uh, Thanks. I'm, I'm loving those, Rob. Every time, every episode, you got a new well, one Well, Now I,
1: I got to come up with something every time because you've made comments on it.
2: <laughs> I got to start throwing some cool uh, nicknames your way then. Oh, you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll wait till next time. We'll come up with something. Yeah. Well, yeah. Excited for this one. We've got a great guest here. Yes, we Uh, do, actually.
1: Very excited about today's guest, Andy Tran. Andy literally wrote the book on adding basement suites to single-family homes, and the book is titled uh, Legal Second Suites, A Beginner's Guide. He's here today to share with us all the ins and outs of basement suites, so... Thank you, Andy, and welcome.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys.
1: Uh, first, a couple of things we've got to take care of, of course. Sandy. What, what do you want the people to do, the good people of the uh, podcast listening world?
2: We want to do a couple of things. And, and you know what? We've got a lot more people doing these things, so it's been really great, the feedback we've been getting. Of course, go to our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca, download our free report, the seven freedom activators you can trigger, and your property is starting right now. A great report there, totally for free, just to help you, uh, live a little bit more of a life by design while having some great tenants and great properties, helping them run smoothly. So go check that out. And on top of that, too, we want you to go over and give us a great review. Five star rating on iTunes really helps us build up the show more, get more awesome guests for you guys and, you know, helps, helps us rank better, of course, and, you know, be up there with some of the top shows online. And we just really be, uh, forever grateful if you could do do at least one of those things right now.
1: And you know what, Sandy? We're actually rating pretty well on iTunes. I'm very happy with how things are going. So um, also everyone should check out our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. We have some articles. Uh, we have Sandy in our bios. We have links to our services that we offer, all kinds of other different interesting things. So I would also like to encourage everybody to go over there and leave a comment on the website. Let's get some conversation going here and share what you liked, what you learned, even share some of your knowledge or experience on whatever topic it is that we're talking about for that episode. So the way you do that is just go over to our website. Again, it's breakthroughreipodcast.ca and you just click on um, on the episode title and that will take you to the comments section. So then you can go over there and just let loose. Let us know what you're thinking. And while we are talking about reviews there before Sandy, we do have two more since last time again, two more five-star reviews. So I'll read those. Um, The first one is from Sonia Atika and she says, I have been listening to your podcast. They are all very informative. The guests have valuable insight into real estate investing. It gives me hope that it's possible for me to achieve my goals. I'm hooked and love listening to them. Keep them coming. Thanks.
2: Awesome.
1: Yeah. And the second one is, this one's titled, The Best Resource for Information to Date. And it is from Kyle Zapsky. I hope I'm saying that right. And he says, I have read many real estate books and articles, and all the information is usually scattered. This podcast interviews top relevant speakers who know the ins and outs of a variety of different ways to invest i have listened to the first 25 episodes and i am hooked although i am not looking to fully commit to investing for another six to eight months i now know the approximate direction i need to go and have access to the resources to start building my team keep up the good work gentlemen i look forward to your podcast so that is great. So everybody, thank you and please keep those coming. They are awesome. Give me something to read on the next episode again. This is great that we keep on having new ones, eh?
2: And and the other thing I was going to mention is if anybody wants to hear from someone specific or on a topic specific um, that they're interested in or need to know something about, let us know about that. We'd love to kind of follow up and hopefully get that type of speaker on. And, you know, Anything you want to know about, let us know, we'll, we'll get somebody on that's an expert.
1: You know, um, there's very few topics we haven't covered on this show, but there's got to be some, so let us know where we've fallen flat and we can come up with a guest to talk about that stuff for you too.
2: And this is going to be a pretty new one tonight, I think. I mean, we've touched on this in different, different episodes for sure.
1: Yeah, we have. We haven't really gotten into the ins and outs of how to do it properly.
2: No, and we haven't had, like, the the man on it. The man, on, that's right. On this topic, right? So that's that's kind of cool. This is going to be great. I've had a lot of people asking me about this lately. In the last couple months, clients and whatnot, a lot of people are interested in this. So it's perfect timing.
1: Yeah, I am looking forward to it, too. Um, I've read the book myself, and I love it. And uh, we're going to get into that, too. One more thing I just wanted to mention, Sandy. I was I have been hosting, or I am hosting, a monthly... Sort of, let's call it a breakthrough to wholesaling houses mastermind, I guess. Mm-hmm. We had our very first one a couple of weeks ago, and it went really well. Uh, there are, you know, a few people out here this way trying to do some wholesaling, but they're sort of getting stuck at different points along the way. So the goal of this mastermind is to never let any of those potential deals slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing this monthly. And if anyone's interested in joining our mastermind group, you can just shoot me an email at info at Breakthrough REI podcast. And I will make sure that you get all the details of when and where the meetings are going to happen. The last one was great, actually. There was a bunch of different stuff that we touched on. And being the first one, it was really cool just to meet the different people around here that are – that have been trying to do it. And there is a few guys actually, Sandy, that have been sort of spinning their wheels for even a couple of years, you know, um, I think they really Mm -hmm. got some potential, but just for whatever reason, run into this issue or that issue. And weren't really sure how to, how to overcome these things. So I think we took some big steps in maybe a, like a, like a, like an army sort of, of wholesalers out here that we can all uh, put together deals with. So
2: I think it's going to be good. Cool. That's awesome. Well, you're the man for wholesaling out there, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, well, uh, hopefully someone else can uh, shatter the record, I guess. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, since 2011, Andy has been – and Andy, I'm going to give you an intro here. You can add on to it if you like. But since 2011, Andy has been the manager of education development for Carson Dunlop and Associates Limited, an engineering firm and private college specializing in home inspections. He's also an instructor for Ontario students wishing to become home inspectors. And Andy has seen numerous second suites as a home inspector and advised many homeowners on how to do that correctly. And Andy hopes to provide as much information as he can based on his research, experience and training to assist those who have interest in uh, building second suites properly. So uh, welcome again, Andy.
0: Thanks so much. And uh, thank you for that uh, introduction.
1: Yeah, we're really glad to have you here. I'm very excited about this. You know, this is something that Sandy and I both do, and thanks to you, I I think we both do it fairly well. So this is good. Let's uh, let's get into some of these questions.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah, so I, I think we'll start out with um, – first, if you maybe can just give a brief intro into what adding a secondary suite means for people who don't know, and also what are the benefits of adding secondary suites.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Sandy. So essentially a secondary suite, people call them many different things, right? People call them accessory suites, uh, accessory dwelling units, in-law suites, granny suites. They really all mean the same thing. Essentially, it's just a self-contained unit within a single family home. Uh, For the most part, I would say probably over 90% of them are in basements. They can also be on second stories. They can be on rear additions. Um, In some cities across North America, uh, you're allowed to have them as uh, separate structures altogether within the same property. But for the most part in Ontario, when we say secondary suites, we just basically mean something uh, a self-contained unit that's part of the structure, mostly in the basement.
1: Okay, great. And uh, I guess the second part of that is what what are the benefits of adding that second suite?
0: Yeah, the benefits, uh, there are are many benefits and it really depends on uh, who you are in the uh, real estate community. So if let's say you are a investor, Uh, It makes a lot of sense for investors because, you know, we all know the high cost of of real estate right now, especially in the past 10 years or so, right? So it's actually very difficult for a lot of, a lot of investors to buy a single family home and have it cash flow. So that's why, you know, a lot of them are having to come up with innovative ways to uh, produce cash flow and produce additional income. And uh, one of the sort of low hanging fruits is to be able to convert a single-family home into potentially two units or three units, uh, but the key is that it has to be done properly. Uh, now, from a homeowner's perspective, it's more about affordability, right? It's it's tough for a lot of folks to, en- to enter the single-family home market, and having a rental income from a secondary suite will really allow them to, you know, get a bigger mortgage and have the extra income to pay for that mortgage and things like utilities and property taxes, etc. cetera. Um, it definitely makes sense. Uh, from a renter's perspective, you know, having uh, more available uh, properties that are done correctly ensures that uh, you're going to get uh, higher quality renters. Uh, so, overall, uh, the benefits is that you're also going to get a higher value from the secondary suite.
1: Yeah, and also for uh, people with extended families, I know I was reading one of your blogs the other day, and that was actually how you got started in the whole thing. Was um, just because you have a, a rather large family, I guess, and needed to yeah. figure out, you know, how how you were gonna go forward and and get into the market yourselves. So it works that way as well for uh, that kind of family.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah. maybe maybe Andy, do you mind commenting? How did you get started using that strategy uh, of putting the legal secondary suites into uh, to the single-family homes?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a funny story. I uh, <clears throat> sort of stumbled on it. So back in 2008, 2009, I was uh, renting a condo in uh, North York around the, the Young and Shepherd area. And uh, my parents were also renting a property in the, in the nearby area. So we were, bo- we were both not uh, owners in the real estate market, uh, both myself and them. Uh, we were interested in buying. We saw that there was a little bit of a dip in the real estate market. We thought it was a good good opportunity to get in. But we still didn't want to get into a lot of debt. Uh, so we decided to combine our money and we bought a, a backsplit home in Scarborough and we legally divided up into two units. So that was really good for me because uh, by not using all of my money for my own personal living arrangement, I was able to allocate those funds into doing uh, four investments in the past five or six years. And that's really helped me financially. And uh, since that time, um, I had two little ones. So having my parents around definitely helps alleviate some of the insanity with, with little kids. Um, and uh, yeah, that's sort of how I got into it. And uh, uh, from a sort of a professional background, uh, my background is a home inspection, seeing a lot of secondary suites um, and having a lot of questions from people about them. Uh, during that time period, up until about 2011, I didn't have a lot of answers. So it wasn't until I went through the process myself, did a lot of research that I started learning about them. Uh, and uh, since then, uh, more research. I put together a continuing education course on the topic that was approved by RICO, the Real Estate Council of Ontario, did presentations at various realtor offices uh, across the GTA, uh, assisted home inspection clients as well as realtors with the information they needed. And uh, officially in 2015, I started uh, the company, Suite Editions, uh, doing on-site consultations and full design services uh, in order to obtain permits for secondary suites.
1: Oh, okay. That is awesome. And I love that name, Suite Editions. That is great. (laughs)
0: Thank you.
1: Um, So now, what what are some of the uh, policies around second suites?
0: Uh, Yeah, so there are a few of them. Uh, The big one is Bill 140, which was introduced in uh, 2011. So that's uh, the Strong Communities Through Affordable Housing Act, which essentially was a provincial mandate that requires every city to set policies in place to allow secondary suites. Uh, excuse me, to allow secondary suites, of course, if they're done properly. So in the past, cities actually had the ability to say no, uh, with the exception of uh, Toronto since 2000 and Ottawa since 2005. But as we all know, affordable housing is not just an issue in the GTA. It's essentially an issue in every major city in the province right now. Um, so that's really a big one. And then another one that was more recent uh, that's uh, – I had heard about this spring is the long-term affordable housing strategy from the province. And this is basically the provincial government putting their money where their mouths are. So politics aside, whether you agree with it or not, they're actually allocating close $200 million with incentives to assist with affordable housing. And secondary suites is one of the strategies that they're using to apply this sort of long-term affordable housing
1: so are they giving um, and- that to us investors who are going out there to do this kind of thing? That would be pretty sweet.
0: As far as I know, right now, there, is, uh, there are two counties, um, uh, Halton Hills County and Simcoe County. And I think that there's going to be more coming up where they're giving potentially forgivable loans. Um, if homeowners, uh, you can be an investor, as far as I understand, or you can be just the owner-occupier who purchased the properties and you create the suite legally, and you have it rented out for a certain period of time with a, a set amount of uh, rent, uh, for, I believe it's up to 15 years. I'm not sure if it's the same for both, for both counties. Um, and then you can have that loan forgivable. And even if you do decide that you want to sort of do it a, a different way, I mean, that loan is, it might be uh, a really good strategy just from the investing standpoint, right? You may decide that you want to sell it after a couple of years, uh, instead. So, uh, I mean, those are sort of a couple of new ones, uh, a couple of strategies uh, or incentives available. I think going forward, there's going to be more. Uh, More recently, there's uh, announcements with the government uh, reducing uh, with an attempt to to reduce urban sprawl, which means that they're going to intensify a lot of the core cities, the as-built parts of the province. So that's going to focus a lot on developing existing uh, properties closer to the core, I think definitely secondary suites is going to be ubiquitous in every city, and uh, that's definitely something that's uh, going to ensure that we're going to have more dense neighborhoods and there's going to be less travel time going forward in the next 10, 15 years.
1: So did you want to quickly maybe just give us a rundown of what Bill 140 is?
0: So Bill 140, uh, that's essentially it's a, it's the law that was passed several years ago, and uh, the, the province told every city that uh, even though you had bylaws in the past that said that you're not going to have secondary suites, for example, Mississauga, they were really against having secondary suites, even though a lot of illegal ones existed. The municipal government had to set policies to say, how are we going to actually get this done? Are we going to involve just the building department? Are we going to involve the municipal licensing? Are we going to involve um, the uh, fire department? So every city sort of had their own way of doing it. Since about since 2011, 2012, uh, pretty much every city where they were not allowed before essentially jumped on board, right? So looking at the GTA, you have uh, Branton, Mississauga, Richmond Hill, Markham, essentially all the cities in the Durham region as well. So Ajax would uh, be Oshawa. As a matter of fact, with Oshawa, they uh, have made it fairly straightforward in terms of doing the, uh, the secondary suite uh, legalization where... Potentially, if you had a property that had existed before 2014, it can be grandfathered as long as uh, whoever owned the property at that time, 2014 or prior, uh, signs a declaration indicating that it wasn't uh, uh, a, there was a unit there, regardless of whether it was legal or illegal. Um, in the if for other cities, that um, that strategy to have it as a legal non-conforming or quote-unquote grandfathering in of the unit had existed before 1995. So Oshawa themselves actually had made it easier for a lot of investors and homeowners who want to be able to convert their units
1: Yeah, and that is very interesting. I'd like to hear uh, ones that have made it a little bit harder as well, because I'm sure there's some of those. But uh, in the case of Oshawa, a little caveat to what you said there, it actually doesn't even have to be the seller who signs the declaration. It could be anyone with experience in that dwelling who can sign the declaration. So it even opens it up even more than that.
0: Yeah, I've heard that even neighbours can, uh, if they have information or knowledge that it was a rental unit at some point, they can actually sign the declaration as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So now, is there a couple of municipalities that sort of said, "Okay, well, we're we're being mandated to, to set policies, but we don't like it." Like Mississauga, you were saying. So have they sort of made it more difficult for this to happen, or are they saying, "Okay, well, let's just you know it makes sense. Let's go forward with it."
0: Yeah, that's a that's a funny funny question because uh, I was actually thinking of that exactly with Mississauga. So when they first came out with this, they had mandated. Uh, licensing requirements for secondary suites. So if let's say you had an existing suite that was illegal and you want to convert it to a legal suite, or if you had a uh, um, an empty basement and you wanted to create a legal secondary suite, well, you actually have to not only go through the process that you would have to go through with every city by getting permit drawings, uh, getting uh, the, the actual permit, and all the inspections along the way, but you would have to pay a licensing fee at the beginning and every year. And I believe that fee is comes close to $1,000. So oh. think about renting a, a, a property for, you know, let's say you're renting it for $1,000 a month, which means that you're going to lose a month of rent every year in the city of Mississauga. Now, that so that was 2013 when they started allowing them. And then I remember reading about a year later, they only had about five applications and and I was <laughs> scratching my head and I was really? like, gee, I wonder why.
2: <laughs> Meanwhile,
0: yeah. um, you know, when I was doing inspections, pretty much every Every house I went to, um you know not every house but a good majority of houses that I went to they had they had uh, uh suites in the basement and and meanwhile you know none of them are actually registered right so that's that's pretty funny and uh so actually with about a month ago they uh they uh came out with the news that they're essentially going to scrap that they're going to say it's okay, <laughs> we're not going to uh, require you to uh, do licensing anymore, so please come forward with your application so I think they realized that. Um, it, it's not going to stop it. Um, you know, there's always friction, no matter what, whenever there's changes, whether it's within uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the residents themselves or people within uh, the the planning and building departments. There's not everybody's going to be on board 100 percent. Right. But mm-hmm. I think the long term trend is that every city does see this as being a strategy really to address affordable housing. And they want private sector. They want the investors to get involved and help uh, move this move this into sort of the next phase uh, where we are going to be able to help uh, provide a, a good source of affordable housing in existing structures, right? Like it's not like we have to build anything brand new.
1: Yeah. And um, I think the whole idea of the declaration out here is to encourage people who are operating illegal second suites to get them up to standard and really like, come out of the woodwork and don't be afraid and then do what it takes to get it up to snuff and register the register the uh, unit as legal and go through the fire code requirements and all that kind of thing, so that everyone can be safe, right? That's really the exactly. main thing. And uh, now, quick question, maybe a little bit off topic, but with that um, licensing zone that they had in Mississauga, did, were they on a demerit point system as well? Because I know a lot of them do that like if you have the licensing system they seem to add a demerit point system almost like a light like well almost like a driver's license so if you have the wrong renters in there and they cause a commotion they can basically cause you your license
0: yeah that's a very good question I uh, personally have not had any experience uh, doing uh, any sort of uh, conversions in mississauga so I'm not I, I don't have that information I've only done a couple of consultations based on what's required of of the bylaws and the building codes but I wasn't Hundred percent familiar with their with their
1: fees and how they did that. I got you. Okay. So now we touched on, uh, I guess, a little bit of why it's important that they're legal. But maybe we should maybe we should talk about that a bit more. What like why is it important that these basement apartments are legal?
0: I would say that uh, the first thing would be, as we mentioned, you want to be in good standing with the city, right? You don't want to be doing any construction work, and that goes with anything. It's not just with a basement apartment, right? You're not going to be putting an addition or Doing anything major in your house without getting a permit first. So you want to be in good standing with your, uh, with the municipality where you have the secondary suite. Uh, also, you want to be good in, uh, in good standing with your insurance company. They want to know that the house that they're insuring has been built properly and anything that was done subsequent to it has been done correctly as well. And as well as the lender. So essentially the bank, they want to know that the property that they are providing the mortgage for is also in good condition. So essentially, you want to be in good standing with the city, insurance company, and lender. The big thing is you want to avoid neighbor complaints and potentially being shut down by the city. So if you have a tenant who, uh, you know, might make a little bit of noise or, you know, they might be walking on the lawn of a neighbor, all the neighbor does is they simply contact the city and say, hey, my neighbor, I think they're renting their basement downstairs. I don't think this suite is legal. Can you go and check it out? So the city comes by and puts a notice on the door and says, we have to schedule an inspection, right? So that's really, I would say, is the biggest risk. And when that happens, they'll tell you, uh, you know, you, you have to either shut down the unit, they'll give you a time frame, and if you don't do it, they might institute a fine. And, you know, that's when it gets messy, especially when you have a tenant, right? You know, it's not that easy to evict a tenant. So, you know, that's going to be a problem. As a matter of fact, I have several clients who have contacted me because of neighbor complaints. More importantly, though, is to ensure that the uh, secondary suite is well built and it's safe for occupants, right? So I talk about the biggest risk being neighbor complaints, but the real big risk is safety for occupants, right? We've all heard the horror stories of students being trapped uh, in the house where, you know, it's been partitioned off. uh, And, uh, you know, a lot of times it is scary, you know, when I do home inspections and I see these places where you know, I know that there's five or six or eight students in there. And, you know, a lot of these students, they're they're foreigners too. They don't know the rules coming in from another country, right? So it, it's incumbent on us as investors and um, as people who do have knowledge of the system to, uh, in, uh, to apply the rules uh, correctly. And if we apply that strategy in the long term, you know, we're going to profit from it, right? And ultimately, you're going to get a higher value when you sell. You're not hiding behind any ambiguous language on the MLS listing. You can fully disclose that everything's been done properly. You can provide the paperwork and the permits so that the next person buying it, um, you know, they can feel confident that they purchased something that's been done properly.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, Andy, is it possible then to be up to code, etc., all that, like fire code and all that type of thing, and just not be legal with the city?
0: That's a very good question, Sandy. That's uh, something that I do see a lot in uh, listings where the, the seller had indicated that uh, everything is legal, but it hasn't been registered with the city. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, if it's not registered with the city, it's not considered legal, even if it's done according to the building code. The reason is because there is no inspections during the construction of that unit. Now, if you are to do any sort of construction work that requires permits, whether it's electrical, plumbing, mechanical, or the building itself – uh, there are inspections in several different stages, right? So for secondary suites, you would have them come in, do the inspection before any work's done, and then the framing happens. They can see the insulation. They can see the wiring. They can see the plumbing underneath. And then comes the drywall, and then comes the occupancy. So there's different different stages of inspection, usually three or four different stages of inspection. Now, if somebody just built it and there was no inspections, there's no sort of verification that everything's been done properly, right? So even if it's done 100%, it's not considered quote-unquote legal because it hasn't been recognized by the city as such. And once again, if it is going to be a problem with a neighbor complaint, it's going to be the same thing. Or the city is going to ask you, do you have uh, is this licensed with the city? Do you have permits for this, this work that you've done recently? Mm. So what would you do in that situation if someone had a property?
2: Let's say everything is done brand new yeah they can't get an inspector in now to look underneath everything, right? so what is what would someone do in that situation any any recommendations?
0: Yeah, and this really depends. Each city has their own sort of protocols and how to approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience really has been uh, I would say in the past six to eight months I've been in the city of Toronto, in Oshawa, and in the city of Hamilton, and I would say that for the most part, they are pretty cooperative in helping you get it to where it needs to be. Because I think they realize that if they are going to be very heavy handed, that's gonna discourage people. Mm -hmm. I think that that conversation is going on within building departments, that the goal really at the end of the day is the same thing for everyone, right? We as investors wanna make sure that they are safe, that they're legal, that they're properly built. And at the same time, the city, they wanna reduce liabilities for themselves and they wanna make sure that the property is safe as well. So everybody has the same goal. So in those situations, a lot of cases they will have a look at the property and see if, for example, you know, there might be certain areas, you know, in the furnace room where they can see behind the walls uh, what the insulation level is like. Sometimes they might pull out an outlet cover and they might see a little bit of insulation. And sometimes, you know, they, they will say, you know, you need to cut a hole here and I want to see like in a random spot, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to telling people to tear it down. So it really depends. I've heard of other cities where, because of liability in the past, they don't allow any sort of uh, existing construction if, it has, if there hasn't been a permit that's been done and uh, they've had to uh, have their unit removed. But in the the cities that I've mentioned, where I've had experience in the city of Toronto, Oshawa, and uh, in um, in Hamilton, every unit where we had existing illegal suites, the building examiners and the building inspectors essentially worked with us to help us get it to where it needs to be without us having to, to sort of rip the whole thing apart. So so at the end of the day, I think the goal is to work with them and uh, open that line of communication and basically be patient when it comes to getting this done properly.
1: Well, Sandy, am I right in understanding that the way that it was working out in Hamilton until just recently was that the city had their standard of 611 for a ceiling height in a basement apartment? Where the fire code only requires six foot five, so basically everyone else went from you know being allowed lower ones with their building code, to where you guys had one that was ridiculously tall, mm. to the point where now they've kind of said, okay, we're going to go with with fire code regulations. Is that what happened out there?
2: Um, well, I mean, Andy, I'm sure you can comment on it as well, right? It's they just changed that only. Two weeks ago roughly it was very recent I think it's Andy I think it was one of your posts I actually saw that they changed that
0: uh, yeah I think I think I had uh, I post a lot of stuff so yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I yeah I believe it was something that I have uh, uh, it was based on some communication yeah. that I've been having back and forth with uh, uh, some examiners in the city of Hamilton and uh, essentially um, it, it. I think I'm pretty sure it, it's not official it's not in any documentation so this is really just um, sort of off the record with me discussing with them uh, but I had a client who actually approached them in March and uh, they were told that they have to get a minor variance in order to do be under 6 feet 11. Um, so my understanding is that with within the building code uh, there's there's uh, several parts there's there's about 12 parts to the building code and part nine applies to residential construction right so uh, essentially houses that are three stories and under. And under this Part 11, it says that all secondary suites need to have at least 6 feet 11. And what they've done is that uh, they do realize that we have a lot of old construction where the current building code obviously doesn't apply to those properties. They've allowed what's called a Part 11 renovation. And Part 11 renovations is a compliance alternative for houses that are five years or older. So within Hamilton, they had a bylaw that uh, everybody needs to follow for secondary suites it's section 19 and they specifically said that in hamilton it needs to be six feet 11. so again my understanding is that they've recently accepted the fact that uh, they will go by what's in the building code part 11 as with most cities in the rest of ontario so uh, this is something that i've communicated with them by email back and forth and i try to make sure it's clear I advise people but I, I would say that you know if this is true I, you know I don't want to because there's no official documentation, I don't want to be the one to say that you know go ahead and go out there and buy <laughs> right. with 65 inches and you're gonna be good right so there's a little bit of liability there on my part but this is just through email communication uh, that they've said that they've accepted six feet five inches as the minimum height. And uh, if that's true, you know, that does open up a lot of available properties uh, in Hamilton, especially a lot of older sort of wartime bungalows.
2: Yeah, that's huge, huge, because that was always something holding a lot of things back here.
1: I was going to say, obviously, just make sure that that is the case. You know, ask for some documentation yourself, do your due diligence. But, uh, man, that is awesome. It sounds like a game changer, Sandy. So it's going to be uh, interesting going forward for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, I would just recommend that people, when they're looking at the properties with the realtors, you know, look at all those things that I, I've discussed. You know, when it comes to the area and when it comes to the building height, just give them a call. I've had nothing but uh, good experiences con- contacting uh, the cities. Uh, every city. They're usually uh, very cordial and polite. And as long as you're polite, you know, there's, they're not going to have any issues helping you. Email is also good because then you have sort of some sort of a written record as well, right? So right. I, I do recommend to people uh, don't be afraid to contact the city to get more information.
2: All right, and you, you do offer consultation, design, plus permits, and, and coaching on this uh, renovation coaching for secondary suite additions. And you mentioned that. Can you tell us a bit more about how that service works? I'm sure people would be really interested in in perhaps getting some help from you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for bringing that up. And uh, yes, I do on-site consultations and I assess various aspects, uh, various aspects that would make an ideal secondary suite. So first, I focus on all the requirements, so all the local bylaws, like all the parking requirements, the size requirements of the units, um, you know, the yardage and uh, setback distances that are required. And of course, I also focus on the code requirements, right? So the building code, tire code, electrical code that, uh, that we have discussed. Uh, the second thing I focus on uh, that I really think is the, the, the real value of uh, my consultation is optimizing the function of the space. So what's the ideal layout to make both units the uh, most comfortable for both occupants, right? Ideal layout in terms of where the living room is, where the, the dining room, where the bedrooms are located. Uh, and we also look, focus on positioning of things to optimize other things such as uh, plumbing and mechanical systems. And that really helps to save costs during construction and also down the road. We focus on energy efficiency as well. Um, So, you know, we uh, really focus on meeting the requirements while ensuring the property is legal, healthy, comfortable, and most importantly, it's safe and in a cost-effective way. We also do design and permit services as well. So we have licensed designers on our team to draft the drawings that can then be submitted to the city for building permits. And as part of my design services, I also provide renovation coaching throughout the entire process.
1: Now, that sounds awesome. I actually know a couple of people out here that are working with you, and uh, I've seen some of the results. It's pretty, pretty cool to watch them uh, go through the process as well. So that's great. Okay, thanks.
2: Mm-hmm. The website is sweeteditions.com, right? That's where they can find out more info on that?
0: Uh, yeah, so it's... Uh sweeteditions.com that's spelled s u i t e editions.com that's uh, yeah that's my my website i provide a lot of information there on my blog as, as well so oh and that's uh, also and, where uh,
1: they can get the book right
0: yeah yeah so uh, just essentially opt in and then they can get that guide and it's really sort of a, a starter guide to a lot of things that we had discussed here today Basically, the starting point to exploring the options of, of getting a secondary suite, whether it's going to be an existing suite conversion or whether it's building it brand new.
2: Awesome. So I've got a few more questions here for you, too, that we want to get in. What what are some really important things people should be aware of before purchasing a home to add that add a suite into it?
0: Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of things. When I have clients contacting me, I usually tell them, you know, before they put an offer on the property, just... Make sure there's a, there's a handful of things that uh, are very important. The first one is zoning. Even though every city is required to have them, there are specific zones that still don't allow them for whatever reason. There may be some a particular neighborhood where uh, functionally it doesn't work because of the sewer system or there may be uh, certain areas just uh, based on the residents that they're not allowed yet. So, you know, always contact the city and let them know the address, if not the major intersection of where you're about to purchase property. And just to make sure that you can actually do the secondary suite there first. OK, uh, that's the most important thing. And I, I would say the second thing is, is, is height, uh, because, you know, if you don't have the height, you can always dig down. But obviously that's going to be expensive. Right. It's going to be in the five figures and potentially that could compromise the structure if it's not done properly. So I would say ceiling height would be the next big thing. Uh, parking spot is also very important. Most cities require that, uh, you have to have side-by-side parking, uh, uh for both occupants of the two units. And some cities allow tandem. Uh, uh, yeah, excuse me. Some cities allow tandem while most cities allow side-by-side. So again, you have to find out what's required in your area. Um, you want to have a good distance with your neighbors. I mean, this is obvious. But I mean, that's a good idea to have more, more distance with your neighbors, but it's also required from the standpoint of the potential spreading of fire from one unit to another. When you're putting in a secondary suite, it's essentially uh, a new um, uh, functional space, right? So it goes by today's building code. So the more distance you have, the better it is in terms of window opening. And obviously, uh, because most secondary suites are in basements, you want to make sure that the basement is nice and dry. You don't want to have uh, water getting into the basement. You know, most most of the time, water is above grade water issues, so a lot of times it can be dealt with. Uh, and then the other couple things is you want to make sure you have a separate entrance, right? Uh, a side entrance or a rear entrance that gives easy access to that secondary suite. That's, that's very important. So I would say those would be the items that uh, you really want to focus on. You know, a lot of them you can spend the money to actually make those things happen. Like if you don't have a secondary entrance, you can always do a basement walkout. Again, that's going to be very expensive and potentially very disruptive to the structure as well.
1: And uh, one thing I heard you mention earlier, it was that your first one was actually a back split. I think, was it a four-level backsplit split that you yes. started off with? So that's kind of interesting because those were the kind of properties that we weren't really looking at for that kind of thing for a little while there. But do you suggest a style of home? They're pretty much all conducive to this kind of thing, aren't they?
0: Yeah, really, there's no rules that dictate what type of properties uh, are best. For second suite, obviously the, the, the ones that are probably the most available are, are bungalows, just the easiest in terms of uh, access and space and design. Uh, but I purposely actually seeked out a backstage because I didn't want the second unit to be entirely in the basement. So the unit where I live in with my wife and two kids, we're in the, the rear, uh, and the lower part of it, while my parents are in the, uh, in the front and the upper portion. And I actually have direct access to the backyard. So that's. That works out for me. And I think it's a good strategy when you're looking for those kind of properties like backsplits and side splits, because for a lot of potential tenants, you know, they might not for whatever reason want to live in quote unquote basement apartments. So you have a part of it or half of it that's above grade. That's ideal as well. I know that uh, there are investors out there that are implementing the, the vertical split strategy as well, where, yeah. uh, you know, they're doing part of the main floor as, as common floor area. So uh, there's you know there's no specific requirement. You can do it on the second floor. You can do rear additions, as I mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because there there I mean we've done the one and a half story, which before we weren't looking after that kind of thing, and the back splits we were sort of avoiding, but uh, those kind of properties, the back splits actually work really really well, and the side splits. So um, and I mean even that vertical split in uh, in semis as as Ryan Carr was talking about when he yeah, was on. Yeah, Doing a lot of good things in these places, so it's pretty exciting. I'm glad to hear you uh, explain that a bit.
2: So, actually, Andy, one more thing on those the the things like parking and that are, are these black and white rules, or, or is there any gray area with these? Can you get variances for anything like that, or, or are they pretty cut and dry rules?
0: Um, I like to say that the building code rules are sort of like those are the rules, and those are non-bendable. But uh, the uh, the sort of a lot of the bylaws, you know, I like to say that are playground rules, you can, you can bend them a little bit, but it does depend on uh, variance of course. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times it's not difficult to get the variance. You know, it adds time to the project. You know, if you are going to go down the route of having to get a variance, just make sure you have a plan B. Right. So mm-hmm. if let's say I buy this property and I can't, for whatever reason, uh, you know, I go get a variance, I go to the hearing and 10 neighbors show up and they say that, you know, they don't want, um, they don't want a secondary suite there. So there's nothing you can do. Your hands are tied. So I would say just have a plan B if you're going to go down the variance route. Uh, but, you know, all things being equal, you want to make sure you have the parking and all that sort of
1: stuff. Yeah. Okay. What's your recommendation, Sandy? Because honestly, for me, like I would, there, there's plenty of properties out there. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not gonna advise myself especially or, or my clients to uh, purchase something where the variance is necessary because that's just too much of a gamble, I think.
2: Yeah, it's a a parking one's one I see pretty regularly, where kind of everything else is a checkmark, and you're kind of just debating, is it worthwhile going after something like this over and maybe getting parking? I don't know. We've had a lot of trouble here with basements anyways, so it's always been kind of, you know, you're not legalizing this, because it's been too hard, Mm. Um, because the height requirements and it's just just been really challenging, in Hamilton specifically, now with some rules changing i mean uh, we're going to see a lot more of that that 's why I was curious because uh, I do see a lot of them that have the potential yet they 're missing the parking, especially in a in you know areas we're closer to downtown where parking's at a pre- parking's at a premium
1: and I guess it really all depends on what the city requires as far as that goes because mm. i mean as uh, even though it's not ideal, if you can legalize a second suite with uh tandem parking then you're going to do it right uh. That's my opinion. Anyways, if I can do it, yeah. I will. It's not ideal, but you know, oh, yeah, if they're going to let me, why yeah. not? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense, right? It, especially if that property is in an area where uh, there's a, a good public transit. You know, That's the argument that you can make if you have to go to a hearing with the C of A, with the Committee of Adjustments, is that, um, yeah, I only have one parking spot, or maybe there's no parking spot. There isn't even a parking spot for the, for the original homeowner because it's in a downtown location and it's a Victorian home and it's all street parking anyways, um, you know, in those cases, yeah, you still have to get a hearing, but uh, the, the argument for that is, is yeah, everybody takes public transit here. Nobody, nobody drives. That's, that's something usually that is a strong argument. Right.
1: So Andy, uh, do you have any tips on how to identify things that can be changed in a house to bring up the value? I know you started as, as an inspector and I know you saw a lot of different things there. Because so, the second suite adds a lot of value in it on its own. But are there any other things that maybe people can look at as far as um, in the specific units themselves that they can change to bring up the value as well? Uh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Great question, Rob. And, uh, you know, when I was doing inspection, I was focused mostly in the Toronto market, specifically sort of the east end sort of beaches, Danforth area. And I noticed what a lot of people were doing is they were changing the uh, the function of the of the house in terms of really adding value in terms of rooms and bathrooms and things like that. I mean, as investors, we focus a lot on things like cash flow, market appreciation, uh, mortgage pay down uh, to really help us in the long term. But I would suggest people really should focus on um, changing the function of properties to really help move the needle in a short period of time. So, if you look at things like a lot of uh, attics are really high, you can get a look in the attic and see structurally that you got the height there that is not sort of like a, an attic where the structural members are sagging and things like that, having a master ensuite, for example, uh, is something that can really add value. You know, a lot of people in the Toronto area they'll figure out a way to put a powder room. you know, not force it, but if they can put a, a a nice powder room on the main floor or put a uh, an ensuite bathroom on the second floor, you know, to change a property from a two bedroom to a two bedroom, one bathroom to something that is like three bedroom and two bathrooms, uh, with, you know, with it done in a, in a, in a tasteful way, I noticed that that is a strategy that I think a lot of investors employ to really force depreciation of the property in a short period of time.
1: Or homeowners too, because I have a five year old or actually a six year old, he just turned six and a four year old. And let me tell you, I'd really like to have my own bathroom. That would be fantastic. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else?
0: Yeah. I mean, that, those, those are sort of uh, things that I think any investor or homeowner can uh, think about doing right away. But, you know, looking at houses, you want to be able to think of what type of upside potential there is, right? We, you know, we talk a lot, obviously, about secondary suites, but, you know, is there a possibility to put on a second story addition? that can, you know, in the future maybe be another sweep or it can at least be additional space for the homeowner. So, I mean, single family homes, I believe are, my belief is really the best source of, of investing because it's something that you can really add value to on different things because you have that property, right? There's not that much you can do with condos and stacked townhouses. They're really, those are really finished products that the developer has already made money on. So mm. as a sort of smaller investor, I think getting started, if you can muster up enough you know, capital to get involved in a, in a single-family home, there's a lot that you can do with it that can really drive the value and help you build up that capital base so that you can keep, keep doing it again and again.
1: Well, you know what? Thanks, Andy. And you've shared a ton of uh, information. This has been fantastic. Thank you again for coming on. And how can people get in touch with you? Obviously, I know a lot of them are going to want to. Where can they reach out?
0: Yeah, I think the easiest way is to, uh, they can just go to my website, so sweeteditions.com. Again, that's spelled S-U-I-T-E, editions.com, or they can simply email me at info at sweeteditions.com, and I will try my best to uh, reply uh, right away.
1: And you all know the deal. If you didn't catch that there, you don't have to worry about it. It's going to be in the show notes. Just go to this episode, click on the little information button, and you will find all of Andy's information in there. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. And, Sandy, how do people get in touch with
2: you? Yeah, they can get in touch with me through best way still is just through the cell number, text, or call. And I'm okay giving that out here. It's 416-567-3866 just don't abuse it
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't don't ask if your refrigerator is running
2: (laughs) yeah yeah don't ask silly questions like that but if you're seriously interested in chatting some more and want some help with anything just feel free to reach out i'm happy to help
1: you know what now that you've given that out i may do. i may start doing that myself i'm just gonna like start calling you and hanging up or whatever
0: (laughs) i Uh, trust
2: our our listeners are really good respectful people right so (laughs) as long as we can uh maintain uh, some you know respect with that then I'm <laughs> give that out uh,
1: I'm sure they will and uh, the number you can reach me at is two eight nine nine two seven zero four six four or you know what you can reach sandy and I both at uh, info at ca. yeah uh,
2: Andy
1: thanks again, man. I can't tell you how uh, awesome this has been so you've just you know cracked it all open and shared everything with us so thank you
0: thanks so much rob yes, sandy I, I really it. appreciate it.
1: Okay, have a good night, everybody.